Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, Bob. Hello there. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm exactly the same as I was when you asked me five minutes ago. See, I'm considerate. I ask about your feelings. I know, and I really do appreciate that. But more importantly, we need to talk about the pizza drama. Pizza drama. So we uh, received a pizza, a pizza that we didn't order. The ticket has our address. It essentially means that it is for us. But really, we just thought that it would have been uh, one of our neighbours. So we took the pizza, basically texted the neighbours to say, well, has someone ordered pizza? And, uh, because realistically, you think if it has to go back... Well, we didn't text our neighbours because we're so middle class. We have a Facebook group for our neighbours. Yeah, of course. So um, that's what we did. We messengered. <laughs> well, yeah, is, is this like a branding thing? Do we, do we need to use the right app? It- no. Are they secretly secretly sponsoring us? And I don't know. Where... I just imagine people imagining that we're individually texting everybody on our street. We live on a very small street. It's a cul-de-sac, which again is even more middle class. We're making ourselves to be even more middle class. And also helping people find out where we are. Well, all I want to know now is where is the money that Facebook is paying you going? <laughs> Not going anywhere. Then why are we advertising? Just, we texted the neighbours. That's it. Anyway. Uh, we just thought that it might have been uh, their pizza. So we thought, well, instead of the pizza having to go back and then having that, they were going to have the dinner really, really late. So we'll take it, we'll text the neighbours and take it to whoever it is. But it happened. It was from none of our neighbours. Yeah, so they all replied back, said it's not us, you basically got a free tea. I was like, brilliant, we don't have to do any cooking tonight, fantastic. And then we did notice on the docker that they gave us with the pizzas uh, there was a telephone number on there. So yeah. we did our due diligence and rang the number. Turns out there's an industrial unit around the corner from our house. And for whatever reason, they decided to put our address on there. They put our postcode on there. And then they put a little note at the bottom. They must be like, you can add a note to yeah, your like delivery. the comments. And they put, please deliver to the industrial unit around the corner and, and said what the industrial unit's name was called. Which is just very bizarre because presumably the industrial unit has its own address. Yeah, they have their own address. There's their own postcode. I actually Googled it, so I know their address. Oh, treat yourself. Huh? Long story short, maybe we... Google is paying me now to make advertising. <laughs> we managed to reunite pizza with verified owner and all was good. They were delighted when they came around and collected it. Yeah, I can imagine. They left half the fat in our counter. <gasps> Did you see that? Can you imagine eating that, really? I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I know that we love fatty food with fat people, but that's a little bit too much. See, that's the reason why I make you pizza instead of ordering it. I don't care. It smelled amazing, and it's still wafting now. We're sat on stools in the kitchen, and it's like literally wafting between my legs up into my nose, and I'm so hungry. Love, I think that's a different type of yeast. Well, <laughs> talking of yeast... This one here, old lady across the table from me, she sat kind of half on a stool and then she's got her right leg in salty water. Of course. Festering away. It's not festering. Well, and, and also, to make the site even more... Dis- I mean, you've, 
you know, as feet go, you've got nice feet. You have got nice feet. I'm not into all the foot things. Oh, let's don't go down that road. But you have got... But what is happening is basically every couple of minutes, the cat is walking by and licking the water from the tray that your foot's in. The problem is that it's salty water, not the fact that there's a foot in it. The foot and dead skin. You've probably got a corn and bunion festering down there. It's disgusting. And then he realises that it's salty water, and then he's going back to his water, his plain tap water that we give him. Just FYI, my feet are lovelier. There's no bunions, there's no dry skin, there's just regular non-fetish feet. Yeah, but there's something wrong about the cat wanting to, you know, get his nourishment from the offcuts of your feet. I mean, the part that is most wrong is the fact that we don't have like a foot massage thing, so I'm actually resting my foot in a roasting tin. Oh yeah, which is going to be great when people come round for a Sunday roast in the future. We'll wash it, and second, they don't know. But we'll wash it, we'll scrub it, we'll make it clean again. That's the whole point of washing things. But I wasn't very happy about this whole get-up. That's my best John Lewis. You know, we're talking about middle-class Britain here. That was my best John Lewis roasting tin. God, you might think that we're becoming millionaires here with the product placements. We first Messenger, then Google, now John Lewis. No one's paying us for for this, pub. Just say, good brand. My good brand did one. Let us pay us. (laughs) Well, anyway, the reason why your foot is in this metal tin is because we've started running this week. Yay, I'm so excited about it. Well, actually, I am, because my sort of main aim in life is to eat Kit Kats, right? Mm-hmm. I love a Kit Kat. Even yeah. when I'm ill, I can still eat a Kit Kat. I had severe altitude sickness in Peru, going to Machu Picchu. I couldn't eat a thing. I couldn't keep anything down apart from one thing, and that was a Kit Kat. Kit Kats are golden food. You can eat them any time in the day, no matter how you're feeling, and it even makes you feel better. And for me, exercising means that I can eat more Kit Kats. So exercising equals eating more. I think that's fantastic. Well, you know what I always say. I always say that uh, when we exercise, a lot of people come to you and say, oh, that's so good that you're exercising. Uh, it'll be good to lose some weight. And I said, bitch, I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm trying to justify what I eat and drink. But well, I think we've, I think we've really embraced the health kick. We're um, supplementing one of our meals each day with, um, well, you said I can't mention brand names Yeah, exactly. Anymore. No product so placement. Basically, we have a liquid lunch, which is like one of the most depressing things you can ever put yourself and your body through. Um, but it just keeps you full, actually. Yeah, and we do it during the week whilst we're working, so we can sort of have that, continue working, and sort of you move on with your day, really. And then we've been having these runs, and we're slowly building them up. Yeah, so during week one, because I haven't run in ages, during week one, my goal was not dying. And we achieved that. And we achieved that. You're still here, you're recording the podcast, fantastic. Well done, I'm really happy about that. Second week, which was last week, the goal was to do the whole route, which it's not really far. It's, what, three and a half kilometres? It's not to be sniffed at, though. Right. So the idea was that the goal for the second week was to not die and to run the whole thing without uh, stopping for a rest. You know, when you run and then you walk for a little bit of a distance to have a rest and then you go on. So the goal this week was to not do that and just run the whole way, which was achieved on the second run of the week. So then next week we're gonna increase the distance. Are we're we? gonna go we're gonna go for five kilometers. What? With the goal of not dying and stopping the least possible. 
When was this up for discussion? Oh, you've run 10Ks before, so don't come and um, play the, oh, I'm going to be tired. I have run 10Ks before. You know, I am basically Warwickshire's answer to Sally Gunnell. I mean, it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And just the even thought about running 10K again fills me with dread. But it is is a good sense of achievement. And I think, you know, you're right. We do need to do the 5K. We do need to start building it up and, you know, kind of pushing ourselves. And who knows, maybe next you'll be doing a 10K. And uh, no, thank you. <laughs> so anyway, should we go to um, uh, what brought us here today then? Because this is very interesting, actually. This is the last episode of our first series. What? So we're calling it a series. We're not calling it, um, what do they call it in America? A season. A we're, season. I'm really okay. happy about that. No, I'm really happy that you're calling it a series because okay. we're British. Well, yeah. I'm British. So you're British, so you're serious. <laughs> Serious about the series. Serious about the series. Yeah. Is it serious or serious? Series. Like Siri. Oh, another brand. Series. 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 Yeah. But it annoys me now that everything in in this country now, it's like, oh, season, season. It's not, it's a series. We're not America. Try it in Spanish. Um, Syria? No. Syria is actually a country. Oh, as in Syria. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, Syria, Syria. Yeah. So it's Primera Temporada. Okay. Primero Temporada. Primera Temporada, remember, female. Primera Temporada. Yes. But that sounds like something temporal, something weather-related, something that's not always there, temporary maybe, I don't know. It kind of, because I, I think that I, I'm not going to uh, start to say that at least. Uh, oh, I know somebody sound the etymology claxon, etymology, here yeah, he goes. Uh, but I think that it comes, so for example, to English, temporada translates as season, so it's very American, forgive me for that. Um, but it does come from that, from season, from the seasons of the year. So that's why temporada, it, it is weather related. Okay, and we've just lost about... 50% of our listeners there. So. Yeah. <laughs> so today uh, we decided that we're going to talk about the very sexy topic that is public transport. Yeah. Public transport. Woo-hoo. To be fair, the thing is, for a lot of people, public transport is sexy. It's where, where a lot of people have had sex. To me, public transport is very, very sexy. Have you ever had sex on public transport? Uh, oh, yes, you have, actually. <laughs> Technically not public. It was like a private hire. So does that count? It was a bus, but it, it was private hire. Does that count as um, public transport? I don't know. It depends if you want to be cool or not. Yeah. So let's move on <laughs> from this topic. <laughs> One of the things that got Ben and us talking about so the differences between Argentina and the UK is how different travel is. Uh, so in Argentina, so Buenos Aires is the only city that actually has uh, underground and that actually has sort of like a, a metropolitan uh, rail. So most people in Argentina actually travel by bus, whether that's in a city or intercity. So even long distances, 300, 400 kilometers, we all travel by bus. We don't really fly either. Mm. Whereas here in the UK, it's mostly rail travel. 
isn't it? I, I, long distances, yeah. But interestingly, I think in London, more people travel by bus than the tube. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go figure. But you have that possibility. You have that availability. So we thought here with Ben that we would discuss a little bit the differences between uh, sort of inner city travel and our experiences with inner city travel and intercity travel. And trust me, if anyone can make public transport sexy, it's me and you. Well, you really, more than anything. <laughs> Why me? Because it's kind of your fetish, isn't it? I do, I do love transport, yeah. yeah. I know. I know. Trust me. I know. Let me picture a little bit about Argentinian inner city travel, particularly when I was growing up. So, of course, as I mentioned, it's all bus. And I remember, so each company had their own colour. So you could differentiate the buses without seeing the number, just seeing by the colour of the bus that appeared. And Oh, so they were literally totally coloured. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the whole bus was like red or green. And each company, most companies had one line. And the companies who had multiple lines, they did different routes. So where you were, there was only going to be one of the green buses that um, that came about. But it was the whole thing. And very decorative. You know how you we've seen when you were in Buenos Aires, in La Boca, and all of these like really intricate, um, decorations that you've seen on walls. It was kind of like that. Very, yeah, very bright, decorative. Primary colours, you know, reds, yellows, mm -hmm. blues, greens, oranges. So buses were quite old and there was sort of a design, I would call it a design flaw, but I think that to some extent was something that was it became a milestone for us. So for example, when you got into the bus, the only bell to ask for a stop, for request, to request for a stop, would be on top of the door to exit the bus. So if you were short, or like me at that time, a child, you couldn't reach it. So really? you you would have to ask someone to ring the bell uh, to ring the bell for you. Oh, but I could just imagine you as like a little boy. I know, you? but the milestone was when you started growing and you could actually reach by yourself. It was kind of like a rite of passage, particularly amongst your friends, the taller, the, the tallest one of your friends that could actually ring the bell. He was a flipping hero. <laughs> and the, and the, these buses were quite old. Yes, of course. And of course, the tickets were on paper. They were like a little strip of paper that, they were, that the bus driver would cut and give you. And they would have a number. So the whole thing was about getting the number that reads the same from one way or the other. What's that called in English? In Spanish, we call it capicua. When a number reads the same from back to forward and forward back. So, for example... Oh, like a palindrome. Yeah, kind of, like a number palindrome. Mm. So, for example, if you have the number that is 23132, you can, they, it reads the same both ways. So, getting one of those was, like, really, really a prize. And a lot of us collected them. Oh, my God. As well. You had a really sad upbringing path. What? Collecting books. To be fair, the first time I went to South America, so of course we're not talking about Argentina here, but you've just jogged my memory. Sorry, about what? South Say again? America. No, 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 no. Uh, Argentina? We're not talking about Argentina. Okay. Sorry, I had a drink. <laughs> I mean, it seems like you've had yeah, a few. It's an on work day, I'm allowed to. Do, do you want to say the brand of the drink as well so you can make advertisement for them as well? No, I don't. Okay. The first bus that I travelled on in uh, South America was probably one of the oldest buses. I think it, it kind of predated Henry Ford's kind mm. of revolution. What amazed me about this bus was it's so archaic. The fact, one, the fact that it could move was just incredible. But secondly, it had a VCR in the bus. 
and it had a music video, a music VHS in the bus, and it played essentially two songs. Mm-hmm. There was two songs on this VHS. Which songs? It was Lip Sync Funky Town. Okay. And Sabrina Salerno, Summertime Love, Boys, Boys, Boys. <laughs> so, boys, boys, boys. Exactly. And if you've never seen the video to Boys, 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 well, I think it's Summertime Love, open brackets, Boys, 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 close brackets. A lot of people don't realise that. Um, if you've never seen the video for it, go on YouTube now. Don't do it on a work computer because there's quite a lot of nip slip. Well, I, I say nip slip. It's purely intentional. It's basically 1980s soft core porn that video it's an absolutely amazing video and I, I literally know that video frame for frame because I was on this bus it was meant to be an eight hour bus journey and we saw those two videos in a loop for eight hours but it wasn't just eight hours because of course the bus broke down twice during the journey so it was 15 hours I had that on a loop okay but there was a long haul travel wasn't it in Bolivia yes okay so we'll we'll talk about long haul like uh, intercity travel uh, a little bit later today because there's obviously it was kind of like that but now it's changed a lot uh, and you've experienced it uh, actually but before going into that I'm, I'm interested in knowing what because of course I had my milestones uh, as a child riding the bus back in my hometown of Rosario so did you have something similar like that about like public transport like in in a city like in your city well, I suppose I, I grew up in a village on the edge of York, as you know. And for me, I didn't start using public transport until I was a teenager. And I, I think it's the same even now. Like in this country, people don't use public transport until they're at least at secondary school age on their own. And for me, it was kind of it was that sense of being allowed to do things without your parents for the first time. So it was kind of going into town. Kind of like a freedom thing. Yeah, on a weekend. Liberation. Going to our prize Virgin Megastore, like browsing through the 199 CD singles. What are you going to buy with your, you know, £2.50 pocket money? You probably have enough left over for like a sausage roll or something. And then you'd, you'd get the bus back. But it was the whole kind of excitement because... And I know this is very different in this country to where you're from, but in more rural areas, you know, there's there's often only a few buses a day. We were quite lucky. We had a bus, I think, every half an hour or certainly every hour. So you'd arrange to meet with your friends and, of course, you'd want to get there early. And it was almost like it is for us now when we go on holiday. You know, you kind of, the journey starts as soon as you get to the bus stop, you know. And it was kind of our airport, really. See, for me, that's strange. I think that one of the things about Argentinian public transport, or, or particularly in my hometown, is that, until I moved here, I didn't realise how lucky and how pampered we are in regards to public transport. Don't get me wrong, public transport in in my hometown has a lot of things that need to improve massively. But realistically, you wouldn't need to plan to go to the bus stop because I think probably the most buses, particularly in the city centre or around the city centre, they probably have a frequency of 10 minutes, 15 minutes at the most, and some of them even far less than that. Of course, there are certain places a little bit further from the city that they do have buses like every half an hour. But I think that we're very bumpered in that we we expect the bus to pretty much go through the door of our house and have a stop there and then to leave us right where we're going. Walking 200 metres, 300 metres for, uh, for the bus is all right. Walking four, five hundred, five hundred meters for the bus is just unacceptable. Mm. So I think that we are very, very bumpered in that respect. And I know that I used to complain a lot about public transport there, and then 
when I moved here, I kind of realized that, well, here is far more efficient in terms of compliance, but over there is far better in terms of frequency. The problem is when you're in outside of the city and you have like a bus every half an hour, so half the times the bus is either late or just broke down and doesn't go and, and doesn't go past your, um, your house. But that still happens so, here. I remember being waiting at the bus stop and the, you know the classic English phrase, you know, you wait to, you wait for a bus to come along and then two come yeah. at once. The buses in York were kind of plain, but each line, if you like, it had a number. Ours was number 10. But they had a colour with them as well. And because it was York, it was all like hoity-toity colours. It wasn't like orange and blue. It was like claret and violet and um, azure or whatever. Mm. I don't know. And there was always that excitement when the bus yeah. came around the corner. You're like, oh, the bus is here. The bus is here. And I think that the other part of what we're pampered, particularly as you're talking about being a teenager, is that um, so in my hometown, every single line, uh, every single bus line, and there's probably about, there was between 40 to 50 different bus lines, they all ran 24 hours a day. So even though they had sort of less services at night, they would all still run. And here, when I when I moved here, I said, oh, you need to catch the night bus. And I said, what's the night bus? Because not all routes work at night. And even here where we live now, our bus, the bus that goes through here, it stops at around half 10 p.m. Mm. And then you don't have any any bus until yeah. like four or five, what was it, five, six in the morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, especially around here and in and in a lot of rural areas, like the nighttime economy, you either rely on your local pub, which we obviously don't have here, or it's 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 taxis. Because exactly. even the trains stop, you know, eleven and the thing, I think that we're pampered to that extent, even at night. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably that bus that uh, has a half an hour frequency at night will probably be an hour and a half or two hours, but it's there, it's still running. Given you have to planning more and the problem the, the problem with the Argentinian buses and that's probably one of the things that have to improve is that when you have a, a bus that comes every two hours it doesn't really have a set time so you kind of have just to have to go to the bus stop and hope that it hasn't just gone or you have to wait for two hours it's like a lottery and when you are a teenager and you are pissed drunk not that I support underage drinking. <laughs> you just had to be there, stand there, and wait. But you talked you talked about taking public transport when you were a teenager. How did you get to school? So we had like a carpool thing in uh, with, with our school because schools in Argentina, or at least in Rosario, they don't have a bus, they don't have a transport. You have to get yourself to school. So a lot of children do uh, use public transport from a very young age. Uh, in my case, the school, we have like a, a carpool. So there was five families and each family would be responsible to taking all of the kids of all five families to school one day of the week. Given um, that was a time where seatbelts weren't really a thing, that you could put like seven children in the backseat of a car. Get away. Uh, and basically we did that. Wow. A lot of my fondest memories at school were taking the bus. When I first started secondary school, we used to have a really, really nice coach that used to take us. Was it like the like the bat boy sitting in the back or something like that? Yeah, or? pretty much. And I remember the the bus driver that we had. He had this sign above his door, and I've no, I've always remembered it. And it said, "It's nice to be important, but more important to be nice." And I always remembered that. Huh. Anyway, we had this lovely coach that took us. And then I don't know if there was a population boom or something, but then we. 
the next year we had a, a double decker bus and as you say it was very regimented who sat where so it was kind of like if you were in year seven so first grade mm -hmm. you sat at the at the front down below and then up the top deck it was like second third fourth so for us it would be eight nine ten and the year 11 sat at the back mm -hmm. and probably had a fag and you know they were probably like drinking and stuff and then the six formers sat at the bottom at the back and that was it that was that was how it was done there was no kind of mixing well apart from me because sometimes i used to do a little show on the bus on the way home a little show yeah i'd, I'd just like, like run up and cabaret <laughs> yeah like i'd go up and down the aisle and do a bit of shirley bassey and stuff like that tell a few jokes and yeah and then you say that people didn't know you were gay well i, I you know i like i like to make people happy and uh, sing a little song and yeah that's how well, it was to be fair if you talk about songs so my school was very peculiar and it, it was quite unusual in the fact that they had like an off-site field where we used to go for like be and was like a whole afternoon of be and the school had a bus that took us there and there were bus songs because we were children we were in primary school so i'm going to leave you here one but i'm not going to tell you what it is in english because i'm not going to translate it google it afterwards chofer chofer apure ese motor que en esa cafetera nos morimos de calor chofer chofer no mire para atrás que está la señorita y se puede enamorar <laughs> oh my god i'm guessing it started off as chauffeur it sounded like so yeah. is that the bus driver the bus driver you, yeah. you're gonna have to, you can't tell people to google it you're gonna have to translate it. it what no what does it mean well the first the, so the first phrase is chauffeur chauffeur apurese motor so hurry up the engine like go faster in this uh coffee tin we are bracing so we're really warm and then, uh, and then the second verse is like, bus driver, bus driver, don't look back because the miss, like the teacher is there and you can fall in love. Oh. We thought it was like really funny. Like if we were, I don't know, doing something really cheeky. So we used to put up signs at the back of the bus and it used to say honk if you bonk. Honk if you bonk. Yeah. And it was great. If you got like a lorry driver, it was like, you know, you could really feel it. We, we did have a bus song. Bizarrely, we didn't have, we didn't sing these kind of songs on the journey to and from school. But if we did a trip with school, so if we went to the seaside to look at some rocks or something like that, which is probably what we'd do or watch some birds. And yeah, it was always going to the seaside, which was hilarious when your teacher said shag. Because obviously famous British seabird is called the shag. So oh, you've got your teacher that. saying, oh, look, look at the shark. And everyone's like, <laughs> you know, like hilarious. So the song that we used to sing, and you, I'll need your help to do this one because you need, it's like a, I will say something and then you have to respond in okay. the same thing. So I, I'll say the first line and then you repeat the line. Okay. okay. And this is, this is the genuinely the song that we used to sing when we were kids on the bus on the school trips, you know, I remember we went to France once to go and look at the battlefields and we literally sang this all the way to Calais. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So this is this is proper this is proper like teenage one oh one, okay. Everywhere we go Everywhere we go People want to know People want to know Who we are who we are and where we come from and where we come from so we tell them so we tell them we're from warwickshire we're from warwickshire mighty mighty warwickshire 
mighty, mighty Warwickshire. And if they can't hear us. And if they can't hear us. We sing a little louder. We sing a little louder. And then we carry on singing. Okay. So how louder. old were you when you sang those songs? Because the songs that we were singing, we're talking about being seven. Uh, <laughs> I was probably like 13, 14. Oh, dear. Why, what were you singing about then? Guns we and went, knives. <laughs> we were not singing at that age. It was Drugs. <laughs> we were not singing. Ladies, girls. Singing wasn't like not cool when you were 13. Uh, what did you do, rap? I, what did we do? No, we just sat there and got into fights. Okay. So we've, I think we've pretty much covered the whole spectrum of kind of interurban bus travel there. <laughs> Let's go long distance. Yeah, so um, as I mentioned, long distance is uh, mostly bus in Argentina because rail is not that common. But actually, you've had experience on both I have, in Argentina. Yeah, I have, so yeah. instead of me telling you uh, what it's like, I would like you for you to describe your experience and then I can comment on it to sort of give context, if you like. So let's start with the bus experience. We went from Rosario to Buenos Aires, which is 300 kilometers. Miles, please. I don't know how how much how much is in miles three hundred kilometers. It's like two hundred and fifty. Okay, must be something around that. I'll still stick. It with... took it took us five hours, didn't yeah. it, on the coach? Yeah, I'll still stick with real units. Thank you. I, I have to say, intercity bus travel in Argentina for me was a revelation. It was kind of like, why haven't we been doing this in the UK forever? Because it was just sensational. The buses were modern. They were clean and they didn't smell of shit. I mean, that's a good start. This is as far away from Megabus as you could ever get, right? You get on the bus, you've got obviously the seating arrangement is... I've flown business class once and that was because I won a competition on an aeroplane. This was like business class on an aeroplane. I had a seat that pretty much went horizontal. 120 degrees for all of you who want to know. <laughs> Thank you for that. And I had privacy screens, so I could literally zhuzh a curtain around me. So I didn't even have to look at you if I didn't want to. Exactly. And you were sat next to me. Next to you. So basically, there's three seats per row. Yeah. So there's a two and a one. And we had a snack box, so we had, and we had, I think we had tea and coffee as well. And yeah. I say I think because I, it was so comfy on that. I fell asleep. Like literally, we got out of the city limits, and I was pretty much asleep. And then you kind of nudged me when we got to the edge of Buenos Aires because it was so comfy, and it was just, you know, I, I, I get that you know people have to travel National Express if they have to, but I mean it was just a far cry from that. You know, it was literally. City to city, we didn't stop at all en route. There was no kind of, oh, let's just pull into Milton Keynes and just wait in a bus station. Well, we did but... take a direct bus, but you can take a what we call the milkman bus, which is the one that stops in every town in between. But of course, that would take you like eight hours. But for, for the five-hour trip that we took, and it was, I mean, it was so classic. I even think the driver had white gloves. Did I imagine that? Yes, you imagined oh, it. Okay. How much did it cost us? I think it was about eight pounds. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Well, in, in general, transport in Argentina is not expensive. I do have to say the snack box has really lowered in quality. I hadn't traveled by bus in uh, a few years because, well, I haven't lived there. 
uh, for a few years, but you used to get like a, a sandwich, you used to get far more on your snack boxes. They really have lowered the, uh, the quality of the stuff there. But to be fair, we did buy what I call a jick sandwich, just in case sandwich, um, at the um, bus station. And the bus station was beautiful. The bus station in Rosario is, it's like a... It's a beautiful building. It's a beautiful it? building. It's like it's like a, a grand train station, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of got that feel about well, it. The thing is, we don't really have a grand rail station because we don't really do a lot of rail. So the bus station is your main way into the city. And um, so we did buy a sandwich there and yeah. some biscuits and some drinks and stuff like that, which, you know, for me is the, the start of any great journey. I, you know, in this country, I want to go to WH Smith's. I want to get my heat magazine. I want to get a chocolate bar, preferably a Kit Kat Chunky, bottle of Dr. Pepper, and I'm good to go. More product placement. <laughs> of course, you do have the the buses that are like four seats per row, which are sort of more or less the regular bus that you would have here. But they are becoming a little bit less le less used, if you like. Everything. So Buenos Aires is the next or the closest big city or larger city than Rosario itself, but which is 300 kilometers. The province capital is 150 kilometers away. Um, the next big city outside of uh, and outside of Rosario as well is Cordoba, which is 400 kilometers. Everything is really far away, so you have to try. You have to travel comfortable. But back in the day, it wasn't always like that. This, which is what we call the the business coach. It wasn't like that. You really used to travel in those seats, uh, if those seats that really looked like a, a low-cost airline, and you would have to spend your five hours just sitting there. A little bit like me on my bus trip in Bolivia. Kind of like that, of course. Just without the Sabrina Salerno soundtrack. Mm. And then, boys, 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 let's talk about the other side, because you are a rail enthusiast. Well, and we came back from Buenos Aires to Rosario in first class rail. I mean, I know we've kind of touched on it before on this podcast, but I don't really think people understand how much I love trains. Oh, he loves trains. We've visited railway museums in every single country in the world that we have visited. And some, even like in a weekend getaway, visited two or three different railway museums. But I've always loved them. And it started off from a very young age when I was five years old. My poor dad used to take me to Holgate Bridge every night. If you, if you, people who know York will know Holgate Bridge. And I used to sit and watch the diesel trains going up and down. I used to call them New Ginzas. I don't know where that name came from. And I was there, you know, in my little bobble hat and my red Paddington boots. And I just sit and, and I just loved looking at the trains. And then, of course, my first job uh, was at the York Model Railway, which um, RIP. It was an old tea room at the front of the York train station that they converted into a model railway. And I did my work experience there at school. And then I got a job there on a Saturday. My dad used to call me solder boy because that was my job. I used to solder the trains back together. And I remember one day I was so excited because my parents came to visit and it was this beautiful layout that, you know, and I really took pride in the fact that for one day a week I had to look after it and make sure that all the trains were running and the models were up to date and all that kind of stuff. And my parents came with my little brother to look round the model railway and um, they came in and there was another family in there and this child was like putting his hand over the glass to touch the train and I remember I shouted at him and I was like get off that train set like that and of course mean and of course you know my parents then took the piss out of me because of that because you know I, that was me I was this kind of mean person but I just wanted to give them the full experience and you know them see that I was taking care of this model railway 
So I did that for a couple of years. Then I ended up working at the National Railway Museum, which was big trains. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved that. I loved that job. I used to run the children's activities in the school holidays. And of course, now I'm working for an actual railway company. So I know. it's just kind of like shaped my life. And I've been so lucky. And I, I just love train journeys. I never get bored of them. And, and, and it's just all the little things. You know, we've just talked about going to WH Smith, getting the Kit Kat junkie, buying your ticket, getting on the train, finding your seat. And for me, the highlight, apart from looking out the window and enjoying this country, out, outdoors, wherever you are in the world, it's the trolley. And I love a trolley. You do love a trolley. You know what the thing is, is you love trains so much. We should do like a a remix of Boys, 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 where you say rail, rail, rail. And we can also make it like really sexually innuendo as well. So instead of having a, um, a nip slip, you can have like a the mallet going through a tunnel. People keep going, you know, and it's not the first time that this has been said about, you know, oh, do you like trains because of the sexual connotation? No, I don't. I like them because of the speed and the the places that they can take you to and and the kind of romance that that, that all that entails and the sexual connotation well if that's what you want to think you can think that okay. but it's not true back to argentina then tell us a little bit about your experience in the train in argentina so let's talk about the station first well with in the, buenos sta- aires. the station in buenos aires is stunning the, the station, Ritero station, is absolutely incredible. As a lover of trains, I've been to see some fantastic stations in this country. We've got some beautiful stations, and then I've seen others around the world, you know, places like Grand Central and stuff like that, and it is up there. I mean, it is absolutely stunning, and they've clearly renovated it recently, but kept the look and feel of, of what it was obviously like in the heyday of travel. It was quite difficult to get on the train, Yes, and I can explain that. It's like, of course, remember that in olden days, your tickets would be paper and would have like two sides. And basically, when you got on the train, they were the person who let you on the train, like cuts a piece of it and keeps it, you know, like in the cinema, something like that. They cut yeah, a but piece. Everybody they... wanted a piece of my ticket. Well, no. And the thing is, the problem is we had our tickets in our phone. We never thought about printing them. And they don't have anything to scan it. They either had that or anything, so they wouldn't let us in the train. So I had to run to the till, and they printed us for us. And you were on the train, because first they allowed us in, then they said, no, you can't. So I had to get off the train, run to the till, get it printed, and run back into the train. So yeah, there's a little bit of a technological impairment there. I mean, the, the track's gauge in Argentina is wider. So the trains are a lot bigger. We had a lot more space. We were on holiday, so we splashed out. We went first class. I think we paid £2 extra or something. Yeah, so it was £5 each. But there was no trolley. There was no trolley, but... We did have the club car, which was just fantastic. And, you know, I I know the club car used to exist in this country. and I think they still have it in America. But it was just a fantastic place because we were on this train for about eight hours, weren't we? It was, I think it's about seven hours, yeah. Yeah, we were on it for a long time. So it meant that we basically had like two places to sit because we could sit in our seat for a bit and then we could move to the club car. And remember seeing that the club car had like a trolley with a lot of used books that you could it borrow. Did, yeah, the, the, cl- the, the club car did have a trolley. But I think was, that was nice. Yeah, that was really nice, actually. And the coffee was good in the club car. And it was, you know, I, I would imagine if I'd have been there by myself, I could have met people. But I did find that the noise levels on the train in general were very much unacceptable. There was a family in front of us and their children were playing Candy Crush, Angry Birds, whatever, at a million decibels. And 
no one thought to tell them not to. Then there was another family sat opposite them. Their kids were also playing Candy Crush, Angry Birds, whatever, Temple Run, if that's still a thing. I don't know. I'm not really, don't know. Not really down with the kids anymore. They were playing it like one minute. So they kept turning up the volume on their apps to see who could be the loudest. And then the, the two adults on either side started talking to each other. And I said to Ben, I was like, they've clearly known each other for years. And you said, no, they literally met on the train. Yeah, they literally just met. And, and that's the thing. I think that's probably one of the things about traveling uh, in Argentina, particularly uh, traveling by rail. It is very friendly. These two families that had never seen each other, they just started talking and they just started sharing mate and snacks and they just started talking about where they were going why they were traveling where they were from and basically they spent the whole seven hours talking at a million decibels oh yeah yeah so silence is not a thing it's, a, it's like i find it really eerie here when you go into the train and no one is talking and no but there's this talking and there's having a riot yeah so Travelling by train in Argentina at any time is like travelling in the last train of the night on a Saturday night out of London or out of Birmingham. So it's that level of noise, the whole thing, at any time. To some extent, I think it's nice, isn't it? It's friendly. People are friendly. They share matter, they share their snacks, they get to know each other and they have like this little small friendship for the uh, length of the trip. Well, I think I was obviously clearly hungover, tired, emotional, or a combination of all three, because I was having none of it. I think that's probably why I went to the club car quite a lot, because the club car was a little bit quieter, because people were eating, so they didn't have time to speak as yeah, much. Yeah, I think you might just be too British. Um, but it was it was a fantastic way to see the country. We literally went through the countryside, um, saw lots of cows. So when people say, oh, is there lots of cows in Argentina? I can say, yes, there are millions of cows in Argentina because I saw them all from the train. And and the sort of Pampas fields, is that the right word? Pampas is a region, yeah. It's, it's we flat. did go through the Pampas, didn't we? Uh, so uh, my hometown is part of the Pampas. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, there's a province also called La Pampa. Ah, okay. But the region is larger yeah. than the province, yeah. But seeing the pampas out the window, it, I mean, it was just absolutely stunning. And then, of course, the, we had the sunset and took loads of nice selfies because we thought it was just beautiful and so romantic and really, really nice. But the train was so slow. Yeah, we don't have high-speed rail um, back in Argentina. You don't even have speed rail. I mean, it's literally rail. Well, the thing is, if you saw it when we were going out of Buenos Aires, it's literally the trucks are next to houses. Uh, so basically what happens is when the train goes out of Buenos Aires, and Buenos Aires is a very large city, all of that probably uh, probably goes, what, 10 kilometres an hour? Oh, yeah. I mean, there were children running alongside the side of the train going faster than we were. Oh, yeah, yeah. The train goes really, really slow. And if you can imagine, uh, getting out of Buenos Aires at speed, it meant that the whole probably first hour to hour and a half of the trip is just getting out of Buenos Aires. Then it speeds up. It was just there in the city. If you can call that speeding up. There was like a grandma on a mobility scooter in one village we went through and she was going twice the speed that we were. No, he wasn't. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not as fast as the trains here. They don't go... and How far do they go here? Well, I mean... 90 miles an hour, is it? It depends. But I mean, if you get the um, the Avanti train from London up to up the West Coast mainline, that, that will go like 125 miles an hour. Yeah. So probably our trains will probably go 50, no more than 60 miles an hour. So that's what well, 50 is like 85 kilometers an hour. Yeah. So that's more or less. 
I bet when people come here, though, they're just like... Yeah, the thing is, we're not used to traveling by rail. If you can imagine, when you can take a bus that is quite cheap and it takes five hours, would you take a um, a train that you have to be there earlier to get on the train, wait everyone to get on, and then have like a seven-hour trip to do the same distance? You just go by bus. Yes, the train is far cheaper, but again, traveling by bus is not that expensive either. So normally, and that's the thing, you have... Probably most people who travel by rail are either train enthusiasts or large families. Because, of course, when you have a large family, it's cheaper to buy tickets for everyone for, on the train. But otherwise, people just don't use the train. And the other thing that I found a bit weird about the train until we got to your hometown was the fact that the um, engine itself is covered in wire meshing because people throw stones at the train. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. So the train goes through very, very rough areas, so very, like, very, very impoverished impoverished slums uh, in some areas, particularly when it's going inside or outside of Buenos Aires or inside of Rosario. I don't know, it's just particularly children. They find it funny and amusing to just throw rocks at the train. So it's kind of, you know, that film that we watched the other day, like that, like Snowpiercer, something like that, like people attacking the train or, or things attacking the train. But it, I don't. It's not necessarily malicious in terms that they're not expecting to stop the train. They're just it's the train going. It's entertaining to throw rocks at it, I suppose, which is awful. I I, I do reckon it's awful. Did you have a good experience then? I loved traveling by train in Argentina. It was so much fun. There was something really nostalgic about it, romantic, much more than here. I think because you have a lot more room on the train. You know you're going to be on the train for longer, so you kind of make that base camp in your and you think you know you've got time to read, you've got time to have a couple of meals on there, and that. And kind you can of stand thing. and walk around even in the same carriage because it is far wider, isn't it? Yeah, and I suppose you know, all right, yeah, it was a bit noisy, but it is nice to see people animated and and sort of experience that. So you know, for, from from a tourist point of view. It was brilliant, and I would recommend anyone who goes to Argentina do both. Do a if you're doing a long long distance trip, take the bus because they are brilliant, and take the train. It is going to take you longer, which is kind of a bit weird. The concept of taking a train and it actually takes longer than a coach, but it gives you that different perspective. And the thing is completely contrary to here, isn't it? Here, the train will go faster than the bus. Absolutely. So uh, what about uh, sort of intercity travel here in the UK? Of course, I've done it and I found it really, really interesting. I think when I first arrived, I remember because I I had to go from London to Stratford where my brother was going to be uh, waiting for me. I got onto the train. And you're talking Stratford upon Avon. Stratford upon Avon. Not Stratford, London. Not Stratford, London. It's the nice nice Stratford. Because that's just a quick stop on the Jubilee line. Yeah, exactly. No, no, I'm talking about the nice one. Uh, the Shakespearean one. I think the, the Stratford in London is pretty all right. Yeah, but it's not Shakespearean, is no, it? No, it's not. It's not. And I think that probably the, the one thing that surprised me is that it was so green, all of this countryside. And of course, when you live in a country the size of Argentina, which is almost 12 times bigger than the, than the UK, and you have less population, you have about 44 million, where there's like 65 million here. I kind of, I don't know, to some extent, I kind of thought that the whole of the UK was going to be like a large city. So getting on the train and seeing the speed that it went and that it went at to begin with, and then seeing all that countryside was so, so beautiful. I think that a lot of people from Argentina, they come and visit London because normally 
they come to Europe, they visit a lot of cities and they tend to go to capital cities more than anything. I always tell people, get out of London as well. Enjoy, uh, enjoy some London. London is beautiful. I love visiting London. But get out of London. Have a look at uh, the canals and the countryside and the country pub, all of those things. And the train shows you all that. So I thought that it was really, really nice. As my, It was my literally first day uh, of coming to live here in the UK. I had been in the UK before, but only to London. So it was my first experience and it was really, really amazing. I really enjoyed it. And the thing is, it's, it's a certain, for an Argentinian, there's a certain romanticism about traveling by train because traveling by train used to be a thing in Argentina, but then it got privatized and then it was all sort of uh, non-human transport, only cargo. So there is a sense of romanticism. There's an excitement about traveling by train here in the UK. I think that's pretty much all the time that we have, isn't it? The pizza smell is still lingering and I'm kind of hungry now. How's your foot home? Well, apparently I have bunions, according to you. Oh, do you? Is that is that verified? No, it's according to you. But I've had no complaints. Well, you need to get yourself sorted because we're going out for a run again tomorrow. Yeah, I know. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I think this has been one of our most therapeutic podcasts for me and you. I think we've really got to the... I feel you've become a little bit more British in this one, and I've become a little bit more Argentinian. Yeah, indeed. I think that this was a good exchange, and what a good way to finish our first series. Boohoo.com. I mean, oh, that's really sad. But, well, don't get me wrong. It's, if all of the people, all of the companies that we've endorsed today want to retrospectively pay us for the product placements, then we'll have funds to do series two. Yeah, I mean, if people want to throw money at us, Ring it on. I'm more than happy for that to happen. They're not going to throw money at us retrospectively. So we need to be more business savvy and contact like Mark Zuckerberg and whoever else. Now, before we we start endorsing them, not after. Can we be entrepreneurs? I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. You just like the word. It's such a great word. Anyway, if you want to get in touch with us, sponsor us. So I'm talking to you, Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, or simply just leave us your comments, your notes, your opinions and ideas of topics that we should touch should we do series two. Oh, the mystery. You can find us on on all the socials. So you can... Look for us on Facebook. You just need to uh, look for Bareback. Just look for it. Just search it. Um, We're on Twitter at BarebackPod. And we're also on Instagram as BarebackPodcast. Or you can email us BarebackPodcast at gmail.com. Have you got any great stories on public transport? Keep it clean, please, or cleanish. I mean... Um, None needed. If you've got any songs that you sang when you were on the uh, school trips, do let us know. And please tell us what age you were, because we want to see whether we can make fun of you or not. (laughs) And yeah, if you just, you know, if you've liked what we've been talking about, and not just in today's episode, but over the series, if you've liked it, let us know. What you didn't like, let us know, because, you know, we always want to be better. Um, And if there's anything you want us to talk about, particularly from a British or an Argentinian perspective... In the next series, if we ever make make it, then let us know because we make it what you want to hear. Yeah, we don't know you, but we love you. (laughs) We do. We love everyone. Exactly. We love everyone. We're loving people. So with a tear rolling down our cheeks.
we will say goodbye for now, or adios, as you may say. But let's hope it won't be for too long. Series one, goodbye. Bye. Bye.